Welcome back to another episode of Hot TV's, well, kind of not cannabis news now because the week has been super slow, but guaranteed the mask is off. We are ready to record. Thank you for coming back and listening. Shout out to you guys who are listeners week and week out and weekend. Shout out to y'all. You guys are the MVPs. Y'all come through. I see the numbers and I want to say I appreciate you. I appreciate you for listening and I appreciate y'all out there for sharing it because I don't even know how I have listeners all the way in Norway. You know, as a person from the Bronx, I would never think I would have the ability to, you know, somehow reach somebody all the way in Europe that I've never met and presumably not have many similarities to as to our environment, how we grew up. But chances are, <coughs> excuse me, I promise it's not COVID. <laughs> chances are, even though we're in vastly different places, you know, there's something that connects us both as, you know, the person recording the podcast and you the listener. So I just want to say I appreciate you guys out there, High TV listeners, and thank you again for tuning in to another episode of High TV. Now, this episode, I have done something different. Uh, you guys have heard out there about Delta 8, and if you haven't heard about Delta 8 THC, let me tell you about it. So Delta 8 THC, as the name stands for, is one carbon chain, I believe, uh, difference between Delta 8 and Delta 9. Now, Delta 9 THC is what we're all used to taking. We're all used to taking Delta 9 THC and getting high and enjoying ourselves and have stories that go along with enjoying our marijuana. I mean, this podcast is a cannabis podcast and the cannabinoid Delta 9 is essential to what connects us all as cannabis lovers, right? Now, what's happening in 2020 and has been happening for a long time, I should say, is Delta-8 is a cannabinoid that may not have as strong effects as THC when it comes to psychoactivity, but it does have something very similar. Now, the way that Delta-8 THC is made is they take CBD isolate, right? You guys know what CBD isolate is. It's the uh, crystalline version of CBD, the pure CBD that's extracted out. And they process it in order to manipulate it in some way. I'm not sure of the chemical way they do this, but they manipulate the CBD isolate in a way to where when it's distilled, it distills as Delta 8 THC and not as CBD as it once was and doesn't and doesn't turn into Delta 9 THC. Right. And so what's happening these days is because, you know, the CBD market is becoming so much more, I would say, saturated. I mean, everybody's mom and pop, every mother, you know, mother, every mother, grandfather, auntie, uncle out there is a CBD company and they're all selling CBD. I mean, you guys have been on Instagram. You know what I'm talking about. You've seen the CBD fitness weight loss bullshit out there. It's like some type of tea you drink. Listen, as a person who is close to the industry, that is not tea. That is not CBD. All right. That's not what CBD is meant for. It's not meant for weight loss. They literally just took a weight loss formula, put it in a bottle. All right. Put in, sprinkled in some CBD to increase the cost and the notoriety. Oh, CBD is new. What is it? And then created a multi-level marketing pyramid scheme in order to build their business, which is very successful because Instagram models out here all are drinking that same orange and purple bottle. I'm not even saying their name, but y'all know what I'm talking about. But nonetheless, Delta 8 THC is something that I've tried today. And for the first time, for that matter, I don't know if you follow us on Instagram on Hip International, but I posted out a Delta 8 roll call. If you're a producer of Delta 8, I wanted to reach out to you guys, have a conversation, talk about, you know, Delta 8. What is it? How is it made? How do you produce it? Are you a producer? Are you a middleman? Like, what do you do? Right. And hopefully find a source that I myself can try Delta 8. Now, as the shipment that is sent, that is being mailed to me here in off Florida is on its way. I decided to, the, for the first time trying Delta 8, I want to do it on the podcast. Now, as that shipment of oil comes in its raw form, I decided to try the most common form I see nowadays, which are the gummies. Now, the most common forms of Delta 8 THC would be gummies, as I just tried, uh, vaporizers or the tinctures the tinctures i believe are much more concentrated no excuse me the vaporizers are much more concentrated right and the tinctures are the bottled form and the more common is the gummies now i've heard various stories from different people who are smoke shop owners as i have a business and i try to drop off product 
at those smoke shops. So of course, conversations pop up. And I, I remember seeing, you know, on the outside, Delta 8 gummies sold here. And I decided to ask him about his new sign, right? I mean, if you're going to make a whole sign about it, you're going to want to talk about the product you just bought. And so the worker at the smoke shop told me that, you know, when they buy, when these gummies come in from distributors, they always give the workers free samples. And this guy, I guess, is the head worker at the at the uh, smoke shop say yo I, these these gummies came in and and i tried it and uh i don't know man that thing is super strong right i mean i took five of them which they said only take two right and i kid you not i almost fell over from my seat when i got up i couldn't i couldn't even imagine it man I almost knocked out right some cool ass white dude right he told me basically that the dosage that these Delta 8 gummies come in is two per person, right, for a desired effect. He took five because we all know how CBD gummies are. You don't really feel it a lot of the times when you try it in gummy form. That's why I am a, uh, what's the word? I'm a proponent for trying the CBD flower as you're getting an immediate effect. You know, when you're taking it orally, it could be a wild card as to when that takes effect. So naturally my curiosity sparked. Cause when I tell you that the price of these Delta eight gummies was 69, listen, they were trying to charge people $70 for a tub of gummies. Now, granted, I think there's like, what, 20 yard to 30 gummies in the package. There's a lot of damn gummies. But to pay $70 for some gummies, I mean, listen, this, this might as well be some THC. You know what I'm saying? Or they're just trying to test the waters to see what price they can sell it at. So naturally, my descendants into curiosity increased. And I went on Reddit and I read discords talking about Delta 8 THC. Apparently on Reddit, the Delta 8, uh, section or whatever you call it, the Delta 8 feed on Reddit actually got banned or they got taken off or deleted for some reason. Why? I don't know. Maybe because the DEA recently talked about uh, making Delta 8 THC illegal and making anything derived and created from uh, CBD isolate to be illegal. So that means CBD oil one day could be illegal. Now, these laws, I don't think, are being enacted upon, but they're being conversed and possibly uh, passed. Am I... 100% sure it passed. I'm not. I just know that they were the DEA was talking about it. So I say all of that to say, your boy just tried two Delta 8 gummies for the first time ever. Now, if I sound a bit slower, maybe it's a Delta 8. If I sound normal, maybe it has no effect at all. But I can tell you right now, if they're trying those gummies the way I feel, I guess you can call this a review if you want. Now, I went to the smoke shop, asked them questions again about the Delta 8. They had the tinctures, they had the gummies, they had the vapes. They didn't want to try any of those things. He said, listen, we have three gummies for $5. Now, the three gummies I was willing to try for five, but I said, just in case, you know, I got, I got a knockout, I got a podcast to record soon, let me just go ahead and get two so I can be operable while taking it during this review. I'd hate to be slurring my words or just feeling out of it. Uh, anyway, so I took two, and immediately after I took it, I would say five minutes afterwards while driving, right, just left the smoke shop, I actually felt, you know, a bit calmer. I actually felt something similar, but something odd, right? So when you take CBD, you feel a relaxation, but however, I guess with the Delta 8, it has a much more psychoactive effect. Now, do I feel high? I don't feel high at all. But do I feel something close to high? I do. And it is very eerie. You know, it's not eerie in the form where it's scary, but it's eerie in the form where what I'm feeling when, take, when taking this Delta 8 gummy is familiar to my THC use, but it's also familiar with my CBD use, right? Where CBD, you have this body calming effect, which I'm feeling with the Delta 8. However, there's also a mental effect going on, right? Normally before I, I record a podcast, I decide to just talk, you know, to get, you know, the, the, the linguistics out, you know, make sure that my, I'm, I'm fresh, you know, it's almost like when you stretch out a muscle before doing a workout, I decided to stretch out, you know, my vocal cords before recording just so I can go ahead. And I realized when I was doing my little, you know, stretching, if you will, I was sounding a little silly. I was, I was saying wild stuff, all type of accents and all. I'm like, is this the gummy already? It's only been like 20 something minutes. Now we're about 30 minutes into the gummy now, since of course I stretched recently. And I can say I don't feel high, but I don't feel like I took CBDs. Like I said, the perfect explanation is it feels like somewhere in between. If you wanted to take CBD because you just wanted to not feel any type of psychoactive effects, but you wanted to feel relaxed, calm, anti-anxiety, and all those things, great. But if you missed Delta 9 THC high that you're used to, but you got stuff to do, maybe you might want to take the Delta 8. Now, as I feel the more and more 
as time goes on, it's like a slow creep. It's like when you're on a roller coaster in the summertime, you know, in the dead of heat, you waited in line for such a long time to get on this roller coaster and you're finally on it, right? You're finally experiencing what Delta 8 THCS offer. And as you straddle into this roller coaster, you slowly creep up into the feeling it's feeling. Now, I don't know when the peak is coming of this Delta 8, but I can tell you as time goes on, I can feel it more and more. And mind you, I only had two gummies. So imagine if I was like that smoke shop dude who tried five. I could only imagine how that experience could be. Um, do I feel like I want to knock out? I don't feel like I want to knock out at all. I don't feel like I want to pass out at all. You know, it just feels like I took some strong ass version of CBD. So if you're out there, you want to try Delta ATAT, I'd advise you to go ahead and try it because who knows what the DEA may or may not do. I mean, who knows? It might be illegal soon. You don't want that to happen. You, you don't want your Delta eight to be gone. Um, also, if you're going to get into Delta 8, just know that through my research, I found out that the more you take Delta 8 is the less potent it becomes in your system. I'm guessing because it's not as strong as THC, that THC's tolerance isn't as strong, right? You can smoke THC every day if you want, and you'll still feel high, right? Well, with Delta 8, apparently if you take it every day or you take it a lot, you know, over time, you're not going to feel it at all. It's going to feel like you just took probably some CBD. We don't really get great effects. And so maybe the effects I'm having now is probably unique to my cannabinoid system. But over time, the effects of Delta 8 will diminish. Right? Like when a package comes, I'll let you know how the raw Delta 8 is. Uh, but yeah, man, so pay attention to how I'm sounding doing this podcast to see if you can spot the difference in prior episodes and how I'm sounding now. Maybe I sound more relaxed, more calm, you know, less off the walls. And maybe that's a good thing. Who knows? It depends on what you enjoy about the show. But uh, for this episode outside of Delta 8, I wanted to talk to you guys about some things, all right? Non-cannabis related. Now, reason why is, listen, as we're, just because we're stoners or we're cannabis users or in the business of cannabis doesn't mean we don't have other interests outside of Mary Jane. Doesn't mean we can't stretch our loins, stretch our loins. It doesn't mean we can't stretch our interests, you know, out to different things. You know, we are some, a lot of us are Renaissance men and women, and where we have many different interests that culminate into who we are. And so as cannabis users, I think this story is universal to all of us. And I don't know if you've heard, if you're a Joe Rogan podcast listener, you already know about this. But the Pentagon has officially created a force to track and detect UFOs. Now, hear me out. Hear me out. I know the last thing you were thinking about cannabis news now was going to UFOs. But hear me out. So the Pentagon not too long ago had released a couple of videos, videos of people in the Air Force recording these vehicles that are flying abnormally, abnormally fast. They were descending and ascending at rates that our technology can't do present day. I mean, I believe it was, they said it was flying at like a couple thousand miles per hour, like 22,000 miles per hour, the way it ascended from uh, the sea floor all the way up into the sky and then did all type of different turns and rotations. Ways that these vehicles flew weren't ways that we could perceive, right? Because we're still primitive, I think, as a life form here on Earth. And for us to see something like those vehicles flying, you have to respond. Now, I find this amazing because the Pentagon isn't going to release this for shits and giggles, right? The Pentagon going to do something. They're going to do it calculated, measured, and to the desired effect, right? And there have been so many conspiracy theories surrounding, you know, UFOs. Now, I'm going to preface this by saying I myself, I myself believe that there's things out there. You know, as a biologist, and someone who studied zoology and looked at so many different animals that exist on our planet alone, it is unfathomable. It is unbelievable and unquestionable the fact that we have life form outside of this planet. When I look at some of the things that exist in the ocean, like depths of the ocean that doesn't even get light, I'm amazed how life can persist. I mean, there's so many harsh climates here on Earth where you still see life forms thrive and flourish. So the ideal that once you pass this certain threshold that we're used to here on Earth seeing animals, you know, operate and go through evolution, to think that when you're outside that threshold that life isn't possible, I think is inherently ignorant, you know, or, or even arrogant, if you will, to think that we're just so special. If you think about the vastness of the universe, if you think about how far, if you see some the stars that you're seeing in the sky, folks, you already know this. A lot of you do. 
The stars you're seeing in the sky is actually that star from the past because it takes so many light years for that light from that star to be emitted and then sent all the way here on Earth to be perceived by us. What you're seeing is a past star. You're looking at ghosts even. Some of these stars present time right now probably don't even exist in the sky. They've already gone through their supernova phase and don't exist anymore. And we're just seeing the past when it was alive and the light that it was emitting. And to just to think about that fact, to think about things are light years away. We already know how fast light travels. So to think that we are the only person on this earth, I think is just stupid. You know, like obviously there's life somewhere else. Will we find it? Who knows? And I'm going to tell you something I've told my coworkers. I work at a lab where I do a lot of microbiology work. And so we, we grow a lot of cultures, right? We grow, you know, bacteria. We, we, we transfer the bacteria, look at them under the microscope, things like that. And when I look at what we're doing, all we're doing is taking some life, right? We're transferring them into a rich media called agar, right? And agar has all the stuff that the bacteria, the bacteria needs to eat and survive and thrive and multiply. And who's to say that? Earth in some way isn't just another agar plate. Instead of it being a plate for you flat earthers, it's actually a round planet, you know, filled with water, filled with oxygen, the things that's needed for, you know, species of our DNA and other animals that we share DNA with to thrive. Now, I'm going to read off the article in a minute, but just to entertain your mind with this reality that You've seen the, the, the crazy creatures that have existed in the past, right? When it comes to uh, dinosaurs and we see the modern day dinosaurs in sharks and crocodiles and to think how they are vastly different and they have survived for thousands of years. And we look at our species. You know, we think we're the smartest thing possibly here on the planet. What if we are just now the, the kings of this planet? What if only now we're holding the reins of Earth? And, we, and only for now do we have Earth in the middle of our palms. Who's to say that there aren't another intelligent species way back then? So I'm talking, I mean, listen, the, the Earth, I believe, is what? Uh, something trillion years. We've only been in, in existence for a million of those years. You know how big a trillion is? You know how many millions can fit in a trillion? And that's how long Earth has existed. So who's to say that life forms haven't came and gone? Who's to say that they haven't came, died off? turned into oil the oil that we use could be past life forms not just dinosaurs and they had their own civilization their own advanced form of technologies and those had slowly withered away as millions and millions of years passed who's to say when dinosaurs weren't around there was an intelligent life that existed with these bird-like lizards <laughs> you know what i mean i mean who's to say i mean listen we've seen these monoliths that, that were are dated to be older not older but early humanoid existence built and who's to say that those those uh humans didn't grow a society much different than ours you know thriving off the internet and things like that but they had their own version of intelligence where they were able to you know build up monoliths and who's to say maybe we're like humans 5.0 like let's get into all the theories that float around in mind of mind and create a conversation because these conversations we can have amongst ourselves amongst our friends and family because i think it's something we should take seriously now now that not only the Pentagon, you know, has released these documents or these the task force to monitor, which I am going to read soon. So stay tuned. But it's just, you know, to think about life itself, you know, humans could literally be, you know, or what we think of our, our humanoids right now could be like the 5.0. Who's to say that humans weren't, didn't exist in the past and there were failed versions, right? The civilization didn't thrive the way it should have, you know, and, and who's to say that these aliens aren't like me and my coworkers, the biologists, the microbiologists rather, looking at these organisms grow, observing them and doing it for whatever purpose it may be. Maybe we're just testing to make sure something's clean. All right. Maybe we're testing to see what the environment holds and what possibly floats around there. Just out of random curiosity. I mean, if we look at aliens in a way that if we anthropomorphize aliens in a way we look at aliens from a humanoid sense to where humans are some of the most greedy resource draining things on this planet right look at global warming look what we're doing to the environment we obviously only care about short-term gain and not long-term right that's just one of our species flaw and who's to say these aliens don't think the same way but their perception of time could be vastly different you know earth thinks about thinks about a year in a uh 12 month cycle 
Who's to say that their year isn't our, what to say that their years aren't multiple, multiple years of our own here? What if a decade is like a one year of theirs or a hundred or a century or a millennia could be just one year for them and how long their life forms live? You honestly cannot know and cannot even imagine the possibilities. But the reason why I delve into these theories is because once the a story like this comes out to where the, the thoughts for decades and hundreds of years about aliens in the sky and all these religions that mention angels and mention these various terms that could be just code words for aliens in their own civilization, it allows you to step away from the conspiracy and then step into the actuality. And it's kind of sad that as humans, we need a form of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A form of authority for us to justify our thoughts, right? Even myself, I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of needing authority before having the prowess and the confidence to speak about something like this on my podcast, which I've had for a couple of years now, right? Two year podcast. It was made two years, by the way. Shout out to y'all that was here since, the year, since year one. But nonetheless, I think that stifles us from growth and advancement because listen there's so much things out there we don't know as a wise man once told me there are three worlds in existence all right there's a world that you know and understand there's a world that you don't know and don't understand and there's a world outside of possibility of you understanding Right. A third, a, a third world that you can't even possibly fathom because the world you live in right now exists these certain parameters and laws and and actualities and constants that you're used to. You know what I'm saying? Now, I know I'm going off the deep end here, going out there, but I want to at least parlay and communicate that fact, because this next story could be met with so many so much different uh, combative thought process like here here the stoners go talking about aliens again shouldn't have touched that green stuff i'm telling you that weed is melting your mind it's melting your mind put the weed down and stop thinking about aliens and here's a bible and pray to jesus and there's some people who think that even the thought of aliens are against the idea of their religion you know of course religion has their limited understanding of things when it comes to the written text but when I've talked to theologians throughout my you know, years, I've realized that, listen, a lot of them have come to the terms of saying that, yes, this is our readings, but there are things out there that this book probably can't cover and you should keep your mind open. And I think a lot of the idea. Anyway, I'm going too deep into things that not this topic is about, but at least we had a conversation. You could uh, talk amongst yourselves throughout the week and have discussions about this so the story goes as follows as for the ufos i think that delta is coming in like that was a thc rant i think i went in on that topic just now uh yeah so the pentagon officials on friday confirmed the existence of a navy-led unidentified aerial phenomena task force that will monitor ongoing encounters with strange aerial objects and determine whether these phenomena should be perceived as a threat so not only does not only does the pentagon have a navy led why would hold on why would the navy lead unidentified aerial phenomena task force what the hell do these numbnuts floating on the water no disrespect my navy and my vets out there but come on y'all sitting on the water all day what the hell are you guys gonna know about what's flying in the sky right i mean i get it you're out in a the boat there's not much to see on the you know outstretch of the ocean right along the horizon so you're probably looking up for the most part and the videos that the pentagon released though to 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 uh to negate that is the air force were the ones that the videos recording came from, you know, the air force that flew around and was trying to track these things and put a tracker on it so they could, their camera can follow it. And the way the camera was moving was unlike any other vehicle that they've tracked before guaranteed. And when I had this conversation recently with uh, coworkers, one of them had mentioned that they had a family member that worked at the airport. All right. At the airport, they saw something that was in the sky Right. They recorded it on their phones. A lot of video recordings came out with this. It was in the sky, went down into the ocean and then split in two in a way where people couldn't even imagine it. Right. Like they say from the I guess the uh, airport terminal, you're able to see this thing in the sky. But some people had a closer look as to how this thing was moving. And apparently it was in the sky. It descended rapidly and went into the ocean and split into two. Now, we don't have any vehicles here on Earth that could even do something remotely close to that, right? And who's to say that maybe these things aren't individually, you know, flown 
craft, if you will, but something entirely different that can apparently split into two. But nonetheless, they were told to uh, delete the video shortly after the incidents. Why? I don't know. Who told them to delete it? Listen, I don't know. This is what they told me. Did it really even happen? Listen, I honestly don't know. But the fact that something like this comes out, that they're having an identified aerial phenomena task force, means that there are things out there in which the military probably have already had understandings of for years and, and are now taking effect. Or you can go the conspiracy theory route. Now, here's a conspiracy theory on the Pentagon taking this action. The conspiracy theory is that the Pentagon and the government at large is slowly rolling out their understanding and knowledge that UFOs exist. They're slowly coming around to the fact that aliens exist and we have to release it to the public because soon we won't be able to hide it. Now, my thing is, if something so amazing happened, how the hell could so many people keep their mouths shut? You know what I'm saying? I mean, some people can't even keep their mouths shut that like there's free donuts in the in the break room. Right. That that little secret gets let out and everybody droves in there, goes there in droves and takes their donuts and have fun. And, and there's no more donuts by the time you want one. Right. Uh, happens all the time. But what I mentioned, I mentioned that to say it's pretty astounding to think that these people could not keep a could keep a secret for so long. It's hard for anybody to keep a secret. Humans are communicative and social creatures. We love to run our fucking mouths. We love to talk. We love to babble. We love to gossip. All right. There's tabloids. That is all gossip. We can't keep a secret for nothing. It's paparazzi that do the same thing. So for people to keep this thing a secret, if they have for so long, I got to tip my hat. I got a slow clap like at the end of a sports movie because that's simply amazing to think that hundreds of people can keep their mouth shut now granted if your life is in danger by you not keeping your mouth shut then maybe that's a way to keep people's mouth shut for decades but then again i don't think everybody's mouth is shut because you have a guy like bob lazar who's also featured on joe rogan podcast who talked about him being a uh scientist or uh what I forget what type of scientist, but he was assigned to work on a secret project. Didn't know what it was when he got there. He explained this on a podcast. I'm going to paraphrase it for him, for you, the listener. Bob Lazar was told to go to a secret government experiment. Had no clue what was going to be there when he got there. But when he got there, he looked at some weird looking craft, right? Uh, large, but not too large craft. And he was told only the information that this craft is old that they found it and dug it up. However, they don't understand the technology that lies within it. And basically, what their what their role was in the technology was to somehow reverse engineer it and understand how they themselves can achieve, I guess, the anti-gravity properties that this device would offer. And the way they would keep this secret is by not telling the scientists much information about what they're working on, only present it to them, have them run their equations, run their experiments and figure out what they can do. And then shortly afterwards, move them to a different project. So there's so much information being thrown at these scientists that it's hard for them to, you know, really digest, understand, document, and really have, you know, all the information in the world, right? Because it becomes, makes it much more liable for the information to be let out. And something like that, I believe, you know, given the discussion we had previously of maybe we're not the first intelligent lives to be here. You know, who knows what happened on Earth before we got here? The fact that they dug up this ancient alien technology, possibly dug up, I should say, allegedly dug up this alien technology makes a lot of sense. Right. They dug it up. Because how the hell else will you catch an alien craft unless it crashes? And they decided to test it. Now, do I believe in Area 51? Listen. I, I don't know. Right. I mean, they literally came out and said that Area 51 does exist and it exists somewhere in Nevada. And here's a scheme of it if you want to. But but apparently when it comes to Area 51, you can't even go into it because they'll kill you. Right. Remember that whole you remember that whole thing they had last year where on, on 420, they're going to Naruto run into Area 51 as a group. And then the government shut that down real quick. So I, I can't tell you what's going on there. I don't know what's going on there, but we can only speculate. And uh, if that is the case, that they've been working on this for a number of years, then who's to say that we haven't made progress ourselves? Who's to say that our technological progress that's available to the public isn't already 15 years to 20 years behind? Because human nature is to use technology for weapons first and then use it for capitalist gain later. Why? Because consumer capitalist gain isn't as massive as militaristic 
conquest, right? I mean, listen, when we went to Iraq, there's a reason why the government took like a billion, billions of dollars worth of gold from Saddam Hussein after they assassinated him. Like that's what America did. It took billions. Anyway, all this other thing aside, to continue on with the story, uh, this identified area phenomena task force was approved on August 4th by Deputy Secretary of Defense David L. Norquist. The task force was officially launched to improve its understanding of and gain insight into the nature and origins of UAPs, a.k.a. Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force. Wow. Un a.k.a. Unified Aerial Phenomena. According to to a Friday evening news release by the Pentagon, quote unquote, the mission of the task force is to detect, analyze, and catalog UAPs that could potentially pose a threat to the United States national security. Now, these these people are stupid. Let me tell you why I think they're dumb. Now, I think that last statement is dumb. Let me uh, re re reiterate. That last statement to me is dumb because you can't be investigating unidentified aerial phenomenas as a United States threat. It's really a global threat. You know what I'm saying? It's really a global threat. I don't think a alien would care which country it's going to come down and either wreak terror on or visit or communicate. I think aliens, listen, if I were to think about Earth, how we treat animals, which is a conscious being that is lesser intelligence than ours, but still, you know, have their own societal structures and, and politics. Like if you ever watched the, you know, National Geographic and watch how like chimpanzees have like a hierarchy within their group. It's amazing. It looks just like the office. You know what I'm saying? It looks just like our workplace. You have this, this guy's a leader. This person is the leader that's been a lesser leader given in power by the main leader and they're dick to everyone else. It's the same shit. Chimpanzees and us aren't that different. So who's to say that the fact that we're able to farm animals and lock them in cages and do what we want for our own gain, that these aliens possibly wouldn't do the same thing if I were to anthropomorphize aliens. If I were to say that aliens were humanistic, what if various countries... Hear me out, conspiracy theory way out there. What if various countries are under control or influenced by their alien bosses, if you will, their alien leaders? Who's to say that one clan of alien claims the United States, another clan of alien claims China, and whatever benefit the aliens can get from them, which is maybe an exchange of technology for control of some sort, and that's what's going on, because if you think about it, humans and intelligent life form it seems so far we don't see satellites and other nearby planets humans have to be valuable in some way if you're able to have some type of intelligent life if i'm an alien and i'm smarter than these monkeys over here i'm going to try and get what i want from them i'm going to try and influence the planet any way i can you know who's to say that global warming isn't a way for you know aliens to survive on a planet like this because our earth is farly way too cold compared to theirs who knows who the fuck knows that's a wild theory. But nonetheless, out there, I want to say uh, pay attention to this news. You know, if you're a stoner, chances are you've had these conversations within your circle, right? You guys have had so many smoke conversations that had to deal with aliens and what is life and all these other questions. Who built the pyramids? Who built the monoliths? How possible are these tons that are impossible to lift by a hundred humans can be lifted and placed in such perfection and mathematical calculation? Who knows? You know, and maybe we think about those structures from a present day point of view. You know, right now we have Netflix, Hulu, Xbox, PS3, and Pornhub. We're so distracted. We have a phone. We have a phone that we look at eight hours of the day. We're so inundated by the screen. Who's to say that when we don't have our minds so transfixed on trivial things, we can't calculate the per the perfect mathematical way to build the pyramid? Who's to say we can't derive a way to build these? Sorry, excuse me. To build these monoliths when we're not distracted because we our focus is on leaving a legacy for hundreds and thousands of years because writing a book isn't going to do it. Writing on a wall can get faded. Why not build these massive structures that are hard to destroy? All right, enough about aliens. I mean, speaking of speaking of aliens, what's going on on Mars, right? We sent rovers over there. My guy Elon Musk wants to fly to Mars. Do you really think that we're going to make it to Mars by 2030? I mean, granted, if they start the Mars project on 
2030 or in 2030. They won't get there to like 2040. So 10 years later when everyone signs off and it says, all right, send the astronauts out. Because I believe as of now, it's a six to a couple year flight, depending on how fast you're going over there, you know, to Mars. And the fact that a human being wants to take that step, I think is astronomical. And that's the reason why I'm a fan of Elon Musk. As crazy as this man's idea is, I think it's very necessary for humans to have an individual like that to do what needs to be done. You know, we need the madman to create the to create electricity. We need the madman to create the idea of the internet and then spawn what we use and listen to me right now on. So we need someone like that to, who knows, create a civilization on the moon, see how that works. If that works, then we can go ahead and do the same thing on Mars. But you know, it's going to be a tumultuous process. You got to terraform. You literally got to send a nuke a nuclear bomb to Mars, right, to create a form of atmosphere which we won't even be able to enjoy until like 50, 100 years afterwards, which is like simply amazing to think that someone can think of life past them for past for next and future civilizations to live on. Now, speaking of Tesla, Elon Musk owns Tesla, the car company. I'm a little upset. I'm experiencing a bittersweet moment. I just told you guys how I'm a fan of Tesla. I'm a fan of Elon Musk, so therefore I'm a fan of his projects. And the fact that a car is able to dry itself is the most futuristic thing possible, right? Not only does it drive itself, the car is freaking electric. And electric cars that we were used to, it was a new idea. Electric cars have been around for a while. But guess what? The batteries didn't last as long. They all look like shit. And Let's be honest. It was Priuses. No one wants to drive around a Prius and be proud of themselves, right? Because chances are, if you're driving a Prius, you're driving because you're either saving money on gas or you really care about the environment. And so driving around in a car that looks like a tin can on wheels isn't offensive to you. So this, I'm sorry to offend y'all, y'all drivers out there in uh, Priuses. But y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all already hear the hate. Uh, but for Elon Musk to create an electric car that was cool looking, right? were were as luxurious as other vehicles and then was the coolest vehicle around. I mean, the car can literally have phone-like updates to a vehicle. When's the last time your car had an update? Oh, wait, it never had. You have to buy a new one. And granted, I sound like a Tesla fanboy, or nonetheless, I am a fan. Now, this is why I'm a little upset. I'm upset because Tesla's stock price, I told y'all right when the pandemic was started, I was, you know, delving into research on the stock markets and investing and getting into it myself, that I missed the ball. How the hell did I miss the ball on Tesla? All right. How the hell did I miss invest? Listen, I didn't miss it because back in 2016 or yeah, 2016, I owned five stocks of Tesla way back then. If I would have held on to those five stocks, I would have what? $10,000 now because the stock of Tesla is $2,000. Every day I'm working, I'm waking up, looking at my phone, checking the stock price. And now I'm seeing it at a brand new high at a brand new high and a brand new high. And I'm just so sick, man. Cause right when the pandemic hit, I had the ability to buy Tesla around the three hundreds, you know, a nice little affordable price could buy like one or two, uh, uh, easily. And then I said, nah, let me be smart about this. Let me not have a fear of missing out, as they say, FOMO. Let me try and be wise. So I say, you know what? No, I'm going to buy this stock when it hits 200 because I know that it was trading at 200 not too long ago. However, however, that's not the case. When that stock dropped to 300, immediately that thing jumped up to like 400, 500. And I said, no, nah, I'm definitely not buying it now. And I'm just going to wait till it drops. Well, sometimes in life, folks, you don't want to wait for opportunity to pass you by. You don't want to let something right in front of your nose go because you don't you didn't develop a chase for it or you weren't ready to bite. You know, a lot of you, a lot of you guys avoid hard conversations that would make life so much easier. You know, a lot of us, I want to say yeah, but a lot of a lot of us do that because right now it may seem like it's too much, but in reality it's what you really want. As a person, you've heard my passion when it comes to Tesla. I need to be a Tesla stock owner. However, right now, the price is too damn high for me, for me to even touch. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no way this stock's going to go past Amazon price anytime soon. But nonetheless, if you would invested $10,000 into Tesla, right, and you bought it at its corona pandemic lows of like 360, right? So that's 10,000 divided by 360, you would have owned roughly 27 stocks. If you would have hold those 27 stocks from just a couple of months ago, mind you, your price would be 
those 27 stocks will be worth $55,000. That's a nice down payment on a house. That's a nice little cushion that you you made 50, you made a teacher's salary in a couple months if you invested $10,000. You know what I'm saying? Now, granted, if I, if, if I had $10,000 and they recommend you jumping into the stock market with $10,000, if I would have jumped into Tesla with $10,000, Right when I had Tesla in 2016 at like, let's say 175, right? You would have 57. Let's break it down. Let's say it's 150, a little even number. You would have had 66 stocks of Tesla. If you would have held those stocks till today, you would have had a total of $133,000. All right. When Tesla's stock dropped, I believe it dropped at around 25. Let me say it dropped at $30 when IPO'd. All right. And you have 10,000 and you have a hundred. Yeah. $10,000. And you decided to invest in Tesla at $10,000 years ago when it first IPO the day Elon Musk became a billionaire. You would have had 400 stocks. If you would have held that stock today, that $10,000 investment that you forgot about, maybe you'd have been sitting at 800,000, nearly a million dollars. So just realize, folks, if you're out there and you have spare income or you just want to figure out a way to increase your financial liquidity in the future or increase your net worth, if you will, you know, do the research, do your due diligence and look up what it is to invest in the stock market, because the fact that our stock market dropped so fast, so quick, but then had the shortest bear market, a.k.a. downtrending market in history and we're, we're actually back at all-time highs after this pandemic is simply amazing right now what the stock market is doing is not trading on you know ones and zeros and trading on numbers that make sense it's a speculative market it's a market where people are unemployed people are losing their jobs sports gambling is gone and they're pouring their money into the market because they want to make money they're struggling so they're all investing in the market so now a lot of these retail investors are allowed to now invest because of things like Webull, which i use and Robinhood and these other free trading platforms it allows for dumb money, if, they, if if you will, to be invested. So companies like Apple is going to see an increase because everybody and their mother got iPhones. All right. Everybody and their mother like to see the blue clouds pop up when you text on iMessage. All right. So with that being said, they're going to invest in Apple. You're going to see Apple go up. Now, the interesting thing between this, before I can switch off from financial does here, is there's going to be a stock split coming very, very soon for both of these companies. A stock split is when a company sees its price, you know, very high and they see a lot more room to grow. Now, the whole reason for being on the public market is so that you can have investors pool in from many different areas. You don't have to go out there and make meetings anymore, you know, to, to secure funding. You can legit just have your stock traded. When a stock goes up, your company increases in value. All right. That's just how it works. Now, with that being said, if you're stock like Tesla and you're worth $2,000, however, people are used to trading you at around $100 to $300, then you're going to lose a lot of investors. You're going to lose a lot of people that don't have $2,000 to spare. Or even if they do have $2,000 to spare, they rather spend that $2,000 at a much lesser stock price. They don't want to buy one or two stocks. Maybe they want to buy hundreds. And $2,000 a stock? That's just way too much, man. The stock is too damn high on Tesla Motors. For the rent is too high, guy. Um, but yeah, so stock split is basically when uh, stock splits, the price of the stock becomes cheaper. However, the value of the company remains the same. So it allows for investors to buy into a company at a cheaper price, and the company sees that there's much more value to gain. So even when a stock splits, it's not losing all the money that was invested in before. It's just lowering the price. That's all it is. And so now that Tesla and Apple are both going to lower their price via this stock split, you're going to see a lot of people come in. A lot of people going to think, you know what? I can, I can, I can afford a two hundred dollar uh, Tesla stock. It's not two thousand anymore. Oh, I might, I might as well buy in because people will be not knowledgeable. I'm not going to call them dumb, but they're going to be not knowledgeable to know that just because it's trading at two hundred doesn't mean it doesn't hold the same value that it did when it was two thousand, like it was, like it is today. And just because Apple is going to slip between $500 to $100 now, a 5 to 1, doesn't mean it's cheaper now. It just means that value is less. So just be wary of that if you're in the stock market. And if you're not, go ahead and do your research. I mean, I'm free to give you all some pointers. I'm not an expert, but I've been learning, you know, way back since uh, February when this thing started. So I'm pretty deep in it now. Um, 
But yeah, a lot of people are really invested in money in the stock market. Like, yo, you got all of these people who are like scratching their neck like Tyrone Biggums addicted to gambling. They're like, oh yeah, he's gonna make this three right now. I got $25,000 on that. Like these get these gambling addicts out here are losing their minds because sports and corona don't mix. All right, they don't mix whatsoever. However, a lot of these people are diving their money not into gambling, but into the stock market, and we're seeing it react in ways it never has. All right, and speaking of sports gambling, could you imagine what's happening right now? Like how, how much money's being thrown into the NBA? You know what? I've been talking for a minute. I'm going to take a break. I'm going to take a smoke break, and I'm going to be right back. All right, I think we're talking for about 44 minutes. Damn, that alien talk took a lot. Listen, that Delta 8 worked. Now, I'll say about... You know, an hour later after taking a gummy, I don't feel it at all, but I did feel it when I initially took it. So if you are going to try it, know it's going to last around 30 minutes, maybe. And then after a while, it's going to dissipate. A little Delta 8 THC update. A uh, quick update before I go. Listen, man, we dropped the mini blunts on Friday and all of them stuff sold out so quick. I couldn't even record on Monday because I was fulfilling so many orders. I didn't think this thing was going to be that popular, but I guess when people hear $5 for two King Palm blunts, mini blunts, if you will, like a little quick smoke on the go, people like that idea. That I, I Honestly, it was an idea we had because I told you customers reached out to us, but I didn't expect it to sell out that quick. Like we're selling things to Europe. All right. We're selling things all over the United States. I mean, I'm happy as you can hear and I'm very busy, you know, on the other end. So the mini blunts, Oh, excuse me, the mini indoor hemp CBD blunts will be back in stock soon. Uh, we're going to re-up, we're going to re-roll, we're going to repackage, relabel, and we're going to send you guys out there with a brand new strain. I think last time we had Bubba Kush, that was for sleep. We're going to give you a classic cannabis strain, the Wedding Cake. Our Wedding Cake is a nice, creamy-like uh, uh, flower. The scent you know, has a very nice floral scent to it. I mean, the taste is amazing. The smell is amazing. And the effects are like a great hybrid. So a lot of you guys like to sleep. So you can take the wedding cake to sleep, but it also works pretty good in the daytime. You won't be as energetic, but you'll still be relaxed and calm mentally and physically. So shout out to all you guys out there who are high TV listeners who support the Like Weed brand. The brand is strong. All right. We like weed. So we support Like Weed. Simple as that. All right. Hashtag like this if you like weed. So thank you for listening to this first half of the episode. I'm going to take a quick smoke break, water break, and I'll be right back to record part deuce. Don't go nowhere. Don't go nowhere. You sit right there. Don't go nowhere. All right. NBA, when we come back, and uh, some more shit. All right. Welcome back to part two of the show. It's going to be a little short because I didn't even realize how long I was recording. But nonetheless, a little Delta 8 THC update. I do feel in some way extremely tired, like to the point where I'm like, damn, do you even want to continue this recording? I just want to go and knock out, you know what I mean? So for some reason, I think much like any edibles, it takes cannabinoids an hour for it to really truly be processed and distributed if you're you know, eating edibles. And the gummies have taken effect. Now, I don't know if it's a cannabinoid cocktail that I just experienced, I went on a smoke break. I don't know if that's what it is, but I do feel extremely tired and ready to knock out right after this. So uh, D8, if I were to review it, does it work? I'll say, yeah, it does work. Still not clear as to how clear. Still not, doesn't have a deep definition or understanding of how it feels in totality. You know, how about I do say it is something, you know, it's not something that blows your socks off, but it is something. All right, so back to the next part of this podcast. Hopefully, you enjoyed the part one. I know it's not your typical episode, but, you know, things happen outside of your niche that you still have interest in. So, yeah, last thing you talked about was Tesla. I feel like I'm starting my words. Am I, do I, am I, hey, I listen back to this. If it's bad, I won't release it. But uh, nonetheless, what we have next on this part two will be about the bubble, the NBA bubble. I think we're talking about stocks first, right? So a lot of people I mentioned invested their money in the stocks because they no longer can participate in sports gambling. And when you think about sports gambling, it is now legal in the United States. And I wondered if the legality of it was due to the nature it would have effect on things like sports. For a long time, people were saying that betting money in sports is what sports really is about. It's not really about the enjoyment of seeing a play, but it's the money that a lot of people make from making sports. People play fantasy basketball and fantasy sports and different 
leagues and whatnot, and they have prizes that can be cash. But what if you're not just dealing with a couple thousand dollar pot, but you're dealing with the multi-millions or more? Couldn't it be seen that now if gambling's legal, you can now have a game go in your favor? Reason why I say that is it is a conspiracy. I'm a LeBron fan. I know a lot of y'all gonna hate and say, no, you're a LeBron fan, not a team fan. Hey, it is what it is. So I support the Lakers. Lakers got their first playoff win without Kobe in nearly two decades. So it looked pretty bad for what's going on with the Lakers. And Dame time was, you already know, Dame for the last couple of weeks have been putting in buckets left and right. He's been another level of himself or what he's always been but never got shined because, you know, Portland don't win games like that. And Dame is now put on the main stage in the middle of the bubble during this quarantine and shown that, yeah, he is better than Kawhi Irving, who's always hurt. Call him the glass man. Bones always break it. But Dame, Dame came with a vengeance. So now that he's killing the Lakers and it looks bad that they might actually lose this series, Dame got injured. Now, injuries happen all the time, but for this little moment, little conspiracy moment, it seems so perfect for Dame to have gotten injured right when it looks like the darling of the NBA, LeBron James, the team of legacy, the Lakers, were going to lose to a small market team like the Blazers. If they're already losing so much money from Corona-19, canceling so many basketball games, so many tickets sold, and so much revenue overall, TV deals, ads, you name it, wouldn't it be advantageous for them to have the ticket of the finals be the most interesting one possible the one that could drain in drain in that can draw in the largest numbers of viewers so they can recoup some of the money they have lost from going through this thing because granted it's not the same seeing players playing this bubble in disneyland is not the same type of basketball and to be honest it wasn't really interesting until dame time happened and now the playoffs are here the stakes are higher but even then you have teams like the brooklyn nets and the raptors getting clapped the Brooklyn getting clapped by the Raptors because they don't have the main stars there. So that's not even going to be interesting, as it should be. But nonetheless, sports gambling is something I want to touch on very briefly before I head out of here because I've realized that there's a huge possibility that things like that not only happen in the NBA, but could happen in leagues like the NFL. Remember when Tom Brady was playing in the Super Bowl? Atlanta was looking like they are going to catch a victory. Let's mail the T-shirts to a random country in Africa for some reason. Losing t-shirts. Let's bring out the kick. But no, somehow Tom Brady and the Patriots did it, flipped it around, won the game, and it was the most spectacular shit I've ever seen. And one could say, what if the house money, because Vegas, they say, never loses. So who's to say that Vegas then somehow, or doesn't particularly, have an interest in the winnings of certain games? What do they influence? You know, would it be players playing on the court, playing on the field? Would it be calls that they want to go a certain way? Are the players even aware this is happening and the greatest ones understand this fact and say, yeah, I'll take an injury right now because it's what's needed for the league. You already got your MVP. Why battle? What if there's another battle in the NBA that no one even talks about, that it deals with the fixation of games and your part to play in it? Having some boxing all the time. Take a dive. You have more money for you and your family than you ever had. And some boxers have too much pride and they end up losing. But anyway, I can honestly feel this Delta kicking in. I don't have any more topics for this What Now podcast, if you will. So thank you again for listening. Subscribe to us. Clearly, the Delta 8 has taken effect, and I need to knock out, bro. Appreciate you listening, and uh, see you next week. Hopefully, there's more cannabis news to report because it's been very slow. Maybe we can do a little mini-sode on what's going on with Delta 8 and the DEA coming up next episode midweek. Stay tuned. Stay high. Hi TV. That Delta 8 is serious. I'm out here dozing off. Good morning. Ooh.